Hello and welcome to Beyond Your Limits. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about enlightenment and manifestation and how the two work together. So many people come to me and they say, enlightenment sounds like I would have to lose everything. It doesn't sound any like any fun. Like why would you want to become enlightened? And you know, so many of the words that we use, like enlightenment and mindfulness and all these other things can become a trap. And what they are is we actually think through them and we are acting them instead of actually being them. And so the question is, is there such a thing? Is any of these things? We have to use words to communicate, but do we use this as another form of identity? And the real brain twister, I think, is if enlightenment exists or if it's an ego trap. And so do you know what ego death is and, and ego? And we talk ad infinitum about ego and ego death. And we wind up going through the motions and acting through these ideas of killing the ego when we're not doing any such thing. The ego is basically a part of your psyche that creates your self-identity. And a lot of times, self-identity creates separation or opposition to the rest of the world. So the ego is saying, this is who you are. You drive this car, you do this for a living, or you don't do this, or you're like this. So your ego can beat you up as well as build you up. But it's based on memories. It's based on likes and dislikes and other information that we believe defines us as a person and a separate identity. And so you have to ask yourself, who is the me to whom enlightenment doesn't sound like it would be very much fun? Who is the me that I would have to lose? If enlightenment is a continual awareness in the present moment, or it's mindfulness, who says that it isn't fun to enjoy life in every moment? And is there, for example, a car you identify this? Are there specific designers of a line of clothing that you identify with? And so why can't you identify with those things and still be aware that you're identifying with them? Maybe it takes the fun out. So the part of us, the identity that doesn't really want enlightenment, because it could actually reveal that enlightenment doesn't really exist. And all these likes and dislikes don't really exist. We just create them. We choose them. That part of us, that identity, wants endless fun and joy. And then we forget that that part could also come with pain, loss, and suffering. So why would we want to become enlightened, right, after the chop wood carry water, so in other words, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. And then after enlightenment, you still chop wood and carry water. You still have to do you. So here's the magic. And I think it's a very provoking question. If you knew without a doubt that enlightenment would end all of your suffering in life, but it would also end all of your highs and lows, your ecstasies, the things that you find titillating, would you still choose it? It sounds zombie-like, doesn't it? And that's exactly why people run from it. Because before enlightenment and after enlightenment, you're still doing the same thing. You're just doing it in awareness. 
You're aware that you're doing it. You're mindful and you're present in the moment. So think, don't act so quickly to come to an answer, but actually silence yourself in a meditation and listen. Listen to yourself and uncover the honest answer because the truth emerges. You know, most ego minds say, yeah, I'd give up the highs to get rid of the lows, right? Because you want to get rid of all your fear and all of your suffering. Well, mindfulness will help you face your fear and have you look at why you're suffering and what causes it. And so you rid yourself of the attachments, you break with beliefs that you hold about things, that you're not really good enough, that no men ever love you, that women only want you for your money, that you're always being used by people, that you're not pretty enough, you're not this enough. But you know what? None of that stuff matters. The ego mind is already choosing moment by moment to desperately recreate and cling to the false ego identity. It seeks identity. It needs the highs and lows. And we have to just become aware of it and say, oh, well, just don't feed it. Oh, well. And this is why most people, no matter how many practices they do, no matter how many books they read, no matter how much peace they seek or awareness they seek and manifestation tools that they use, and this is where enlightenment and manifestation come together, no matter how much they do, they won't stick with it. Because they like the highs and the lows because they're addicted to them. Because they need to sit silently and be ruthlessly and brutally honest with themselves about why they keep repeating the same habits and patterns. Because when you get to a place where you are looking at yourself brutally and honestly, you have a choice right then and there to drop it. And I've gotten there before where I've said, you know what, this does not serve me. I'm not doing this anymore. And it might come up for me and I, nope. I'm not doing that anymore. You see, we don't want the dream to end. It scares us to become mindful. We get really comfortable in this sleepy dream state. And so where's the bonus? And I'll tell you, the bonus is in the freedom of your mind to let go and simply look at what is and not label it. For example, you might have a tree fall on your car and see this as a tragedy because you didn't have, you don't have insurance or you have insurance and then you're not going to be able to get to work. And instead, what happened? A tree fell on your car. That's all that happened. The rest of it is what we add to it. And maybe that's not a good example. Let's say, for example, you and your spouse have a different idea of how the backyard should be landscaped. One wants to put in a pool, another wants to put in a vegetable garden. And your husband says, I want a pool for the kids. And you say, I want a vegetable garden for the kids. I want to teach them about nature. And he says, yeah, but, and you think, oh yeah, you know why? Because he makes more money than I do. And he's not thinking about, he's not doing any of that. He wants a pool and you want a vegetable garden. That's the only thing that's happening right then and there. And all the other little things, the tit for tat, the, the grooming that we do to each other, the hooks that we jabs that we put in there, all of those things are created by us because we go right to them because those are our beliefs, but those things are not happening. 
That's the part that we create based on memory. So when you have people like Buddha and Yogananda and Ramakrishna, they all said that they had to give up everything, absolutely everything. And it's the same with the law of manifesting. You have to give up your shit, break from your history, break from your old habits, from your beliefs and patterns. If you're not going to realize that what you see and experience in the world is only your mind showing you what you were creating yesterday, you have to face that. What you see today, you created yesterday, and yesterday doesn't exist. All that exists is the now. And in the present moment, you are able to say, I do not choose that anymore. This is what I create. So the next time you think about manifesting or getting enlightened, you have to ask yourself, what am I willing to give up? How much am I willing to let go of my shit? Begin there. Because when we teach about manifesting, we ask you what you want, why you want it, what stands in between you and having what you want. And you know the bottom line? If you don't let go of the shit you're holding on to, there's no room for what you want. You can't serve two masters. So you have to be honest with yourself. And if the answer is, nope, no freaking way, I can't do it. I love my shit. That's okay. If you do not want to get into an ego death, and I don't really think that there's such a thing as an ego death. I think the ego keeps you alive. Maybe I'm wrong. But you know what? We're all guessing anyway. You have to try it out for yourself so that then you're not guessing. You're saying, this is the experience that I perceive that I have. At least you can speak your truth from yourself instead of what regurgitates from my mouth or somebody else's mouth. We have to think together. We have to come together to figure these things out. And in order to do that, we have to take all of our beliefs and our prejudices and we have to, we have to set them aside so that we can think together. And that's where the purity starts to come in because we're not bringing our thoughts and our bullshit with us. And so maybe that's what ego death is. There's no shame in wanting to be seen and having a nice car and having a lot of money and wearing a certain type of clothes or being really spiritual and being a vegetarian or a vegan or a movie star. It's none of that. There's nothing wrong with it. There's no shame in it. But when you're aware and you're doing it, it takes on a different flavor. And the only way you're going to know what that flavor tastes like is for you to do it yourself. You're just not ready to let go of what they want you to let go of. And maybe you're just not meant to live the life other people are telling you you have to live. Spirituality does not look a certain way. It does not. Some of the most spiritual people I know are drug addicts, and some are alcoholics, and they are rock-solid spiritual, but they have some brokenness that they're dealing with, so don't judge so quickly. Some of the biggest jerks I know are the people that tell me that they're clean, that they're vegan, that they're vegetarian, that they do this, that they go to church, that God loves them and God doesn't love other people. Beliefs, prejudices, so that they elevate themselves. So go enjoy your life and enjoy the pain and the struggle as well. Because when you look at them differently, 
They show you things about yourself. They help you transcend. And maybe you'll come back and realize this, that the universe doesn't really care. Enlightenment doesn't happen to you. It's in the nature of the whole universe. And the universe is completely and fully enlightened. Think on that for a while. So awakening, manifestation, awareness, all of it, enlightenment, it's a hard reboot. I reboot all the time. Press that reset button because I'm going to tell you something. The only thing you're going to break with is your problems. And again, if you don't want to, don't. See, we believe that we have problems. And the truth is, is we don't have any problems. We're attached to the ideas of problems and conflicts. But when we say things like, there's always a way, I'll always find a way. And you know it through and through because you've learned to work with the energy around you and the field and God, if you want to call it, whatever you want to call it, you'll see that it works with you, not against you. It wants what you want. It wants what you want. It gives you what you put into it. So ideas of hate and belittling and competition and so on, we're actually addicted to them because they make us feel a certain way. What happens with manifestation and enlightenment and awareness is we become free of reactive emotions, but we use them instead to confirm my identity. We're pissed off at somebody. She's a bitch. He's a whatever. And we're labeling. So we control our reality and we repeat the same things over and over again because we're clinging to the hard barbed wire that is wrapped around our heart, even though it's cutting us and making us bleed. And we don't even see it. If nothing ever happened to you and you didn't know anything, there would be this endless peace. Think about that. If nothing ever happened to you, not a single experience, just consciousness existing, and you didn't know a single thing, there would be an endless peace. Or maybe there would be nothing. And that's hard for us to say because we're thinking beings. You see, we're projecting. So the moment that you say, I'm going to reclaim that me that you're addicted to, that you're attached to, your peace vanishes. And so, like I said, you can't serve two masters. Before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood and carry water. Drop the illusion of problems and hatred and see what happens in your life. Watch yourself. Observe the struggle and go back to the struggle. Keep going to it. Lean into it. Pay attention to what it's showing you. Stop believing it's outside of you and recognize that when you're struggling, it is you that is struggling. And when we say, I'm struggling with this, you're creating more struggle. One day I heard myself say that over and over again, I'm struggling. God, I'm just struggling with this. And then I realized the more I say that, the more I'm going to struggle. What am I looking for? I was looking for the solution. But I was so hung up in the struggle because it felt natural and normal that I couldn't reach for the solution until I sat with myself and I listened to myself and I paid attention to what I was putting out there. So enlightenment, manifestation, awareness, being in the present moment, it's all the same thing. It's about 
recognizing that you are the first cause. Anyway, thank you for listening to this podcast, and I hope you make the world a better place.